This podcast contains strong language and adult themes. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to A Page Too Far, the show where each week one of us reads a book and tells the other all about it. Will it be bad? Will it be good? Let's find out. My name is Optimus Prime, and with me as always is my co-host, Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Doing I'm good? super nervous all the time. Uh, this week, I chose I chose the book The Lost World. Yes. Not the Michael Crichton one. No? <laughs> okay. Nope, nope, not the sequel to Jurassic Park. Okay. The one that was written in 1912 by Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah. Sir um, Arthur Conan Doyle. I know nothing about the book, but I know what you're talking about. Here is uh, the cover. Okay. See what you think. Oh, shit, it's got dinosaurs. They're dinosaurs. Okay. Look, It looks very by-the-numbers adventure book. Yes. There is a a reason that last episode you alluded to Lost. Uh-huh. I'm going to do the same thing. This okay. this is very much the precursor to it. We'll get into it. Uh, the reason I chose it, I was looking for science fiction books from pre-1950s. Uh-huh. I wanted to see what they thought because I've never, never really read. I mean, I read The Time Traveler, which was different, but wanted to expand that. So this was like the number one book on the, the research list that I was doing. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's why I picked it. It is an older book. A lot of things have been based on it. Mm-hmm. What I am about to tell you will not seem new. Okay. Right? <laughs> a lot of this is a lot of this is done relatively better elsewhere. So the first thing that I want to do is bring out the opening line of the book. Okay. The first sentence i'm ready because the first sentence is one of the be- i've i've told other people about this because we keep these you know we keep these a surprise so you don't know this other people know about this and they all laughed right so <laughs> okay the opening line of the book there is no preamble there is no precursor there is no forward not in the book i read it says mr hungerton her father really was the most tactless person upon earth a fluffy feathery untidy cockatoo of a man perfectly good-natured but absolutely centered upon his own silly self. Well, then. That is the first line. This sounds quite scandalous. We are jumping into this mid-thought, yeah. it seems. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a creative decision. It is. Seen it happen. <laughs> yep, yep. Nope, totally. Uh, so this is set up like a journal or a compilation of letters, kind of similar to Dracula in that format. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, except Dracula has a lot more precise dates and and that sort of thing. This is really just by the books and then, oh, this is how I'm going to frame it. Yeah. Um, or similar to similar to Sherlock Holmes. Right, same guy. Uh, so it's similar to like the diary entries of John Watson. Right, okay. Yeah. So the book opens with that line and we find out our hero, we don't know his name until later. Uh, his name is Ed Malone. Or says, Maloney, I but I say Malone. It's probably Malone. Yes. <laughs> Ed Malone is sitting with a woman and her father. Okay. Her father being the aforementioned Mr. Hungerton. Right, the, the silly cockatiel. Yes. Ed is mid-thought thinking about how beautiful this woman is. Okay. And they are just enjoying spending time in each other's company. They clearly know each other. Not in a relationship or anything. Not in a relationship. He opens his mouth after coming to the conclusion, I, I want to court her. I want to see. So he opens his mouth and, and he then opens puts his, mouth. his tit in, her, in his mouth. His tit. Her tit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he puts his own tit in his mouth. That's what I meant. Yes. How'd you guess? <laughs> no. Um, her father her father gets up and leaves, and he opens his mouth to to ask her a question. Okay. And she says, hey, Ed, 
I know you're about to like propose to me. What if you didn't? That's really presumptuous. She was right. She what? Wait, well, okay, hold on. I thought you said he was just interested in in courting he, her. He wants he wants to make it official. And back in the day, if you courted someone, it was with intention to marry. You you're, you were as good as proposing. That's, that's the same as an engagement? Because I don't know. I, I don't I, I don't think it was quite engagement, but I think they used those synonymously because you okay. there was no just dating. Right. There's nothing casual about right. it. Right. You, you are doing full this intention. exactly. Oh, uh, okay. Exactly. Gotcha. So so he's opening his mouth to ask her. She interrupts and says, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. what if you didn't? <laughs> what if, what if? Let, let's think about this for a second. Yep. What if you just didn't mm-hmm. and you fucked off and didn't talk to him anymore? Uh-huh. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Is that really what? Kind, oh, my kind God. Of. She says, she says, no, I'm not interested. He says, okay. why? Is there someone else? Yes, there is. Well, who is it? He's not real. She's in she she then goes on to explain she is in love with an idea of a man. She, oh. she has an image in her head of what she wants. Okay. And she wants to marry someone like that. Gotcha. Okay. This person is renowned for his deeds. Okay. He does heroic things. He is manly. Okay. Uh he treats her like a woman. Was he not? <laughs> I'm just saying. So there's in his musings, Ed thinks to himself, I want a woman who doesn't look me in the eye and provoke anger. That, <laughs> That's the only context I, that I have for that. What does that even mean? It doesn't come up again, but the only thing I didn't, so I didn't look into it. Yeah. But all that says to me is, uh, I want a woman who looks a man in the eye is a woman who will cause violence. Officer, Wait, whoa, 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 I, whoa, I, had, whoa. I had to hit her. I had to hit her. She looked me in the eye. Yeah, obviously she was planning something. I mean, she fucking looked at me. Like, exactly. what do you want me to do? She, she, she treated us like equals. <laughs> and I guarantee that cop was like, I completely understand, sir. I'm sorry about all this. <laughs> no, exactly. Because this is, this is uh, uh, he was a, a, a British writer. So this uh-huh. is the, in, in 1912 is when this was published. So, you know, pre-World War One, like post-1800s. Yeah. In that era of trying to figure out what society actually means. Right. Um. He 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 doesn't expound on that anymore. That's really the only time that anything like that particular is mentioned. Okay. Yeah. That was page two. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so he's a little misogynist. Yes. Doesn't get the girl he wants. Right. And now he's okay. okay and continue. <laughs> yes. So he says, "Well, I can change myself to be like the man that you want, bro." And she says, you "Can't do that, man. <laughs> the man that I want wouldn't change himself for me." Oh, what a slam. She, she hits him with, oh my hits God. Him with the, no matter what you do, it's wrong. Yep. So they talk about a story that he covered. We find out he's a reporter. Okay. And he's covered a story of a mine explosion. Okay. And she says, the man that I want wouldn't have just written the story. He would have gone down and helped those miners. Oh, that's not his job. His job is to write the fucking story, lady. <laughs> You're right. But he counters with, I did. I just didn't think I needed to tell you. Oh shit! So he he's actually got a horse cock. He just doesn't want to like. He just doesn't want to brag about yeah. it. Yeah. He's like, I just I didn't think it was relevant to the situation. I mean, yeah. I helped. Everything was fine, but it didn't add to the story, and I didn't tell you. Yeah. Also, I'm being too vulgar. I need to pull it back <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, a little over the top. A little bit. So he says something along the lines of like, I do things all the time. I just don't brag about them. Mm-hmm. Right. The conversation here takes a complete 180. Okay. All of a sudden, she's like, oh, you do? Oh, okay, yes, I'm into you. 
Like, yes, we we can but, make this work. But, but no, mm. no, it was out of nowhere. <laughs> so she's a psycho. Yes. <laughs> or she doesn't understand herself. One of those two things. I mean, I I I think she doesn't understand herself. Okay. How old are they? Does it say? I do not recall. Are they like young though? He like is, young I 20s? think he's, he might be twenty three. Okay, that's understandable yeah, then. That's yeah, so they're still trying to figure so things she's out. She's probably 16. <laughs> if, <laughs> if she's lucky. Just, yeah, just um, <laughs> Yeah. He is into this, obviously, because now she's into him, mm-hmm. and he wants that. Mm-hmm. So he uh, he says, I'm going to go make a name for myself, and then I will come back, and we'll get married, and you can okay. have the man of your dreams, which I've always been, but now you'll know. <laughs> okay. Right. And he saunters off into the sunset and full of youthful exuberance and just wants to okay. wants to get her. Hey, I'm excited for him. Exactly. A lot of good things happening. Yeah. That was chapter one, right? So that's kind of the introduction. And then from here, he goes on to his editor. Okay. Uh, and he asks his editor, he says, hey, do you have any jobs for me? The more dangerous, the better. <laughs> okay. Because he's looking to make a name. I mean, I wouldn't clarify with dangerous. I would clarify with... I don't know. I guess dangerous is the best way to describe it. He wants to be it, the hero. But, I mean, there, there's different types of danger, though. There's, mm-hmm. like, danger where it's like, there's no one to save. You just might die. Right. <laughs> this is all like, I, I don't like know. Like investigating a coal mine explosion. Yeah. It's like, we need you to, like, go to Mars and just write about how it is on Mars. It's like. <sighs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But no, his editor says, we don't really have anything. Oh, wait. There is one thing. There's a professor. His name is Professor Challenger. Just does he blow up at any point during the book? <laughs> In a way. Oh, I'm excited. We'll get to that. Did he have a teacher, like a, a high school science teacher, piggybacking at the time? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, no. We'll, no. Okay. It's it's a different kind of blow up. So, and we'll actually, we'll get to that right oh, now. Oh, he gets blown. Okay. Yes. I get it. Yeah. By just... a, ty- a T Rex. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he says, we want you to expose him as a fake. Okay. So this professor claims to have gone to South America. Okay. And found a lost world. A world that exists outside of evolution. Hmm. So evolution okay. is this new, again, 1912s. Right. Like evolution is this new theory that is being accepted. Right. And in the scientific community, uh, this guy is claiming it's false because he found a place where creatures exist that don't, that don't anywhere else that haven't changed. Okay. Exactly. I exactly. mean, I mean, to, okay. To mm, let's move on. Yep. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> there's a question of do we want to get into this? The answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's issues with that. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. Yep. So Ed goes to a contact of his who is another professor who knows Challenger professionally mm-hmm. and says, "Do you think you can get me an introduction?" And that professor says, "Absolutely." He's not going to want to talk to you though because you're a reporter. Right. And he. Assaulted the last reporter. Okay. I believe the wording is that he bludgeoned another reporter's skull with a telephone. A telephone? A telephone. That's that's metal as fuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, wait, I want to know, was it just the earpiece, or did you rip the whole thing off the wall and, like... I, based on reactions, I wouldn't be surprised if you ripped the whole the whole ensemble off the wall. Yeah, that would be... Or, or maybe, did they have, like, the cradle phones at this time? Or was it too early? I think it's too early. I don't know. Because he could, if it was just like a, a little cradle, he could have picked it up pretty like easily. Like picked up the receiver and... Maybe. Yeah. It could have been. It could have been. Yeah. Okay. I have no concept of when the phone was actually invented. I don't either. 
<laughs> That's really bad. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Yeah. So he uses this contact and he he says, well, I'm going to write him a letter talking about a lecture that he did, I think, in France mm-hmm. that has been translated. Right. And he reads that transcription and says, I'm going to write him a letter and ask him questions about that to get an audience mm-hmm. with him. Sneaky, yeah. And he throws in just, he doesn't understand a word. Okay. So he phrases this letter in formats that using scientific words and things that just oh, barely make sense. Dude. <laughs> okay. So his contact reads it. He's like, I'm not sending this. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 send it. He's like, okay, whatever. But he's not going to respond. He right. responds. Uh, okay. Did yeah. he respond with go away? <laughs> he responded with, we should meet sometime. Come to my house. Okay. <laughs> bring this letter with you. Um, and I'll meet you. He's going to kill him. He's going to kill him. He's going to kill him with a phone. The the wording that the professor contact gives him uh-huh. is to be careful because he is a violent, dangerous, cantankerous character. Oh my god! Hated by everyone who's come across him. <laughs> okay, that's great. Yep. So he receives word back that Professor Challenger agrees to meet, and he says to bring the letter with him as proof mm-hmm. that he is the person. So he goes to the house. The letter also says the professor wants to correct him on a few points. Mm. Which at all, this point, all the points. Uh, uh, everything, yeah. <laughs> Which at this point brings up Cunningham's law. You know, the uh, uh, the best way to get a right answer on the internet is to post the wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's how he got his audience. Interesting. Yes. So he arrives at the house uh, in time for the appointment and meets the professor's wife as he's walking in. Okay. He uh, There's a butler who, like, takes the letter and says, okay, come this way. And the wife comes out and says, hey, have you met my husband before? He says, no. No, I haven't. She says, well, if he gets violent, run. <laughs> If you can't run, hold him off until I get there. Hold him off? What, with like a chair and a whip? What the if hell? If he starts throwing furniture, get out. Oh my God. Wait, the first one was run. The second one is if you can't run, hold him off. And then the third one is again, run. I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but yes. Okay. It is okay. just like, there's, there's levels of, okay, you should leave versus like, no, get out. Okay, okay, I get you. It's yeah. like uh, politely leave versus do run. whatever you can to get out of there. Right. Okay. <laughs> He says, well, that's weird, and continues on. Okay. And uh, meets the professor. Dude is jacked. Like, <laughs> okay. huge. Giant beard, big guy. Okay. And he's loud as well. Those are his two big characteristics. Big and loud. Big and loud. That's Professor Challenger. As you might guess by somebody who tends to violence in mm-hmm. that way. So the professor wants to work with Ed. Okay. And he, he wants him to understand the errors that he made because he wants his goal is if ed can understand this this moron then ed can help him in a way translate his discoveries into ways that young people will understand oh. he wants to breach the young crowd yeah okay ed ed is not a scientist obviously obviously challenger suspects this so challenger says scientific nonsense mm-hmm. to ed and and is like well do you agree and Ed's like, yo, yes, of course, you can't have this without that. Mm-hmm. And no. it's just, it's, Challenger breaks down. He's like, look, I just threw a bunch of BS at you, and you agreed to it. Like, this isn't real. You're mm-hmm. not, you're not a scientist. You are a reporter. You are here to try and expose me as a fraud. And he just starts, get his temper gets worked up. He starts going to a hate zone oh, where he like, he, like, gets mad at him, and he gets worked up. Yeah. He gets mad at him, so he gets more worked up. And at first, Ed's like tries tries to deny it, and then eventually he's just like, "No, I am a reporter, and I'm here to write your story." Uh huh. No, I'm not telling you. Get out. I'm, so, I'm imagining like while he's getting angrier, he's just like his arm is twitching towards the phone on the wall, 
Just like <laughs> <laughs> you just see you just see the uh, the faded outline of like three different phones on the back yeah. <laughs> where the boxes used to hang. He he literally hears like a telephone ringing in his ears whenever he gets pissed off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the professor gets violent. He starts just laying in Ed, just punching him. Jesus. And Ed had like back towards the door and kind of opened the door. Okay. And the professor just like bull rushed him out the door and just starts starts beating oh the ever living crap out of him. I like this professor though. Yeah, they end up out in, in the street. Okay, because Ed's trying to get away in front of a Bobby, a police officer, and that police officer says, "Professor, this is like the third time that you've done this. Yeah, <laughs> you need to be stopped. It's obvious what happened here. We're gonna put him away. Mm-hmm. Will you charge him?" Oh, Ed shit. says, "No. He's got him over a barrel." Ed says, "No." Well, you didn't. I would have negotiated with him. He says no. I would have been like, I'll say no if I won't press charges if you take me. Yeah, there or something. Yeah, no. He says no, man. And the the There's officer's like, what? And Ed Ed says, I uh, I went under I went to him under false pretense. He warned me, and I went anyway. He's so honest. I provoked him. Yeah. The the officer accepts it because he doesn't want to press charges. He's not needed anymore. Right. He probably doesn't want to do the paperwork either. Probably not. Yeah. I, is there paperwork in 1912? I would imagine there has to be. Probably. There's something. Some accountability. Yeah. Uh, so the Bobby leaves, and the professor says, he just kind of looks at Ed. He says, come on in. And he invites him in. Uh-huh. And now he's friendly towards him, right? Because he yeah. didn't put him away. Yeah, he did him a favor. Exactly. The wife, whose name is Jesse. Uh, nice. Yep. <laughs> uh, comes over and starts berating the professor. He's like, he was a perfectly nice young man. Like you gave, oh, and Ed has like a huge black eye. As yeah. Well. Uh, uh, he's like, you gave him a black eye. Like, what did you, he, and she doesn't see Ed behind him. Because mm, he's yeah. huge. He picks her up and puts her on top of a shelf seven feet in the air. What the fuck? How, how tall is the, the ceiling? I, I mean, Victorian houses, they're Victorian I, well, ceilings, probably 10 I foot, guess. something like that. Wouldn't she like, I mean, God, that would have to be like, what, like over 10 feet yeah. for her not to bump her head? I, I mean, who knows? They, maybe she hit her head, maybe she didn't. It's also adorable, though, because uh, she can't get down. Exactly. And she's <laughs> screaming, let me down, let me down, you brute, like you monster. And he's loving it. Yeah, so, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> I like this guy. He can he can uh, do whatever he wants. Uh, he makes her say please. That's adorable. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> So uh, so he lets her down, and then they go into the professor's office. She sees Ed and realizes, like, oh, he's still here. Mm-hmm. Things have changed. So the professor lays it out. He says, uh, I like you. You didn't turn me in. I'm going to tell you about my trip, but you can't write it. You can't tell anyone unless I give you written permission. Wow. That's a hang-up. It is a hang-up. This reporter is being told a story that he can't publish. But he's going to anyway. I know he's, he's going to do it. We make, it always happens. We may get there. He says, you can't do it unless I give you permission, and I'm never going to give you permission, just so you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I went to investigate around the Amazon River. Uh, it's always the Amazon. It's, al- it's always, see, that's what I'm it's saying. Like, there's the things here that are that are stories that have that have. Well, taken. Well, it's probably because it's, like, one of the most remote places. Exactly. And this is 1912, like, the edges of the map are being filled in. Yeah. That's one yeah. of the last places that's super inaccessible. There have been rumors of, uh, like, cryptids that live down there. And and he, uh, he so he investigated the Amazon. He found the body of an American from Detroit. Okay. Like, in this inaccessible area. Oh, okay. Yep. I think he uh, meant, like... <laughs> not in Detroit. <laughs> like, around his, where he lived, he just found a body and he was going to do something. No, this is in the Amazon. Okay, this he found a body Amazon. that yep. shouldn't have been there. Shouldn't have been there. Right. There were, there were guides who, like, took him around and everything, but he found this body in that American's journal. In that journal, there was an image of a giant rock. Okay. 
uh, and a giant creature. And Ed assumes that these were, I mean, this, this American had died. He assumes that these were in a drug, like drawn in a drug induced stoop or something like that. Cause yeah. giant rocks don't exist. <laughs> I didn't understand that. I, I, I don't, I don't understand why the giant rock is such a mystery. Also, because how does he know it's a giant rock? Did he have like my, measurements? My understanding of it. So they go into that about the creature, but the rock, I believe, is like a sheer cliff that just encompasses almost like a volcano, like how it's circular like that, but it's sheer. You can't climb it. But like sketched out, what is that supposed to look like? I don't know. And how does that translate to scale? I don't know. The creature <laughs> had a man in front of it. Okay, that makes sense at least. But it couldn't have been a man. It had to be a child because the creature was too big. Right, yeah. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah. Um, they describe it, I think it was a stegosaur. They're pretty big. They're, they're, yeah, they're pretty big. But uh, but I, I believe that was the creature that was drawn on this page. They didn't name it as such, but I think they said I think they said it had like plates down its spine. It's the beast. Yeah. The armored beast. Yeah. Ed assumes they were drawn in a drug-induced stupor. The professor says, no, there's an account of a stegosaurus. Oh, they did name it. Um, there's an account of a stegosaurus. The professor then hands him a bone. He says, this is a dinosaur bone. Oh, actual bone, not a fossil. Actual bone. Actual bone. Bone. That would blow your fucking mind if that happened. If it was a dinosaur bone. Right. The professor's the only one claiming this. Ed's a journalist. Not, yeah, so he wouldn't know. He has no idea. Uh -huh. He's like, what if it's an elephant bone? And the professor's like, well, don't be stupid. There's no elephants in South America. <laughs> like, bro, what if this didn't come from South America? Yeah, su superb. You see, the, you see the flaw here, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, giant bone. So the professor says he went and hired two natives as guides on the journey. He, he took a camera. Great. All of his photographs were destroyed except for partial images of, that, of two pictures. That's not great. Yeah. I would guess this story was told about Bigfoot because that seems to always happen on Bigfoot. <laughs> I'm like, saying. We took a bunch of pictures, but we lost the footage somehow. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how it happened. Yeah. No, the, the camera <laughs> equipment was destroyed except for a photo of the large rock, again, uh, which, which what, this guy had drawn how, in his how, journal. But again, what's the sense of scale? I don't know. It's uh, yeah. nah, it's a big rock. <laughs> I think the professor may have told him, like, this rock is massive in size, something like yeah. that, but there's nothing distinguishing that bro it's like it's a really big rock bro it's like exactly like imagine a big rock it's like bigger than that bro it's, it's crazy and then there's a photo of a large flying dinosaur i hate to keep saying this mm -hmm. but again <laughs> how do you get a sense of scale from one photo well, without any reference the professor brought a body but oh he, the body of the he, dinosaur he brought, he brought a body back with him of the dinosaur uh-huh okay except he That's lost it. it on the boat right home the <laughs> It was lost over overboard, you... except for part of a wing. Part wait, what? What happened to this dinosaur? Where did he put it? Like doesn't say. De this, never brings this, it up. I I'm, I want to know this before we go further. So this is scary. the part the part that he has is the bone structure that like connects the uh, the wing to the body and then out to the tip. Okay. So he has part of that bone structure. So kind of like an arm. Kind of. of. Yeah. Yeah. And that's his point. Is uh, he says like if you look at this bone structure, it's not a bat. Because mm -hmm. bats don't do this. This is dinosaur. And Ed's like, this is fake. Mm -hmm. <laughs> As any sane. I, would, I mean, I'd be careful with that guy. He's he's already cool. Still. Nah, he's cool. Still. Nah, I'd be fine. like, all right, dude. That's nah, fine. Whatever. It's okay. It's fine. Ed's convinced. <laughs> Wait. What, what, okay, hold on. He gives reasons why everything is fake. But but he still believes. But he believes it. So he, he he's kind of double-minded here. He's, he's I undecided, think, maybe. Yeah, I think he's doing his journalistic duty of saying, right. like, here's how this could be faked. Here's what could happen. Right. But I believe you. Also, he, again, like you said, under the threat of course. He probably just wants to go on the expedition. He doesn't give a shit if dinosaurs are real or not. He just wants to go on the expedition. Well, I'm saying. Professor Challenger then says, I'm speaking at, like, a, a lecture tomorrow night. Uh-huh. You should come. 
come on this lecture. Ed agrees. They part ways for the day. Uh, Ed goes and gets ready for the lecture, goes to the lecture. Okay. It is a group of the top scientists, including Professor Challenger and Ed. Okay. That's it. Just a bunch <laughs> of smart people and Ed. Now, Ed does update his editor as well. The whole scientific community thinks that Professor had faked everything. Mm -hmm. Naturally. Naturally. Yes. Uh, there follows a long, boring lecture of the properties of evolution. Is it written out in the book? Yes. Oh, my God. And then he starts fighting the other scientists. <laughs> put him up. Put him up. I want that to happen. Uh, not yet. So there's a scientist who's a colleague of Challenger's. Challenger constantly interrupts. He says, uh, I take issue with this. Mm -hmm. I take issue with this. And wants, he, like, he's like, I have a question. I have a question. Yeah. I have a question. The guy ignores him. <laughs> he's like, this is my time. You get yours in a bit. This is mine. Eventually, the guy calls him and lets him speak. They finally give him the floor, and Challenger says that the popular opinion is only a good subject for a lecture if you want to make money. Scientific doctrine, scientific research, a real scientist would lecture on unpopular opinions. Okay. I think his point is if you spend all of your time going around saying what we already know, you're not a scientist. you got to be pushing the envelope. Right. Right. Okay. Scientists are about discovery. They right. want to learn more. Instead of saying this is what it is, ask why is it? Or how is it? Or is this really what it is? Mm -hmm. He says, you all have ridiculed me, but I can prove this. I'm prepared to give the information as to where this was to a committee of you guys so that you can go there and vouch for this. Okay. But if you go, I want someone going representing me. Ah, this is where Eddie Boy comes in. Ed volunteers. Ah, my boy. <laughs> without, without coercion. Um, the, the, the committee agrees and then he says, okay, we're going to send someone else representing me. And Ed's like, I'll, I'll go. Nice. And he says, of course you will, boy. That's why I picked you. And they're all like, who the hell are you? Were you in here the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Ed meets part of the crew. Um, that's to set out. They kind of jump cuts. Part of the crew. Part of the ship. Part of the ship. Part of the crew. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I derailed that whole statement. Uh, <laughs> oh, the feels. Bootstraps, bootstraps. Um, there's a rich lord who helped end slavery in the Amazon. Okay. All right. Look, there's no slavery in the Amazon. Are you sure? This this guy told me so. Okay. This guy says he ended it. What if I did that? What if I went to just some country and I was like, hey, I just ended slavery oh, in he, Madagascar. He, he shot people to do it. Oh, he, he like... He like killed the slavers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that really ending slavery though? Wouldn't well, it yeah. default to other people? No, there's, there's no one else. Once you kill the slavers, there's no other people. Okay. He just killed everyone. He's like, there, technically, there's no more slavery. <laughs> can't have, can't have slavery if there's no one living. <laughs> I believe his name was Lord Roxton. 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 Nice. This is a cool. This is a cool name. It's a good yeah. name. Uh, I have in parentheses here that went well. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> it went well. Roxton gives him a gun. Gives Ed a gun. Does he know how to use? He's it? like, he's like, look, we're gonna we're gonna learn you here. You're you're becoming an adventurer. Okay. And he tells him about a drunk gunman that they're traveling with named Ballinger. Ballinger. That's a nice name. Well, yeah. I mean, there's Challenger and there's Ballinger. I mean, I don't know oh, what to say. Oh, God. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. The professor meets them at the boat and says, this is science. Your well-being is first. My results may be disproved. Write what actually happens. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Fantastic. Then he leaves, and we're introduced to the rest of the crew. There's the drunk gunman, Ballinger. There is a gentle scientist whose name exists, but I didn't write it down, and he's <laughs> kind of a non-issue non in the book. Okay, he's just—he's called a gentle scientist? He, he's described as being gentle. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a ginger interpreter. Okay. 
a large black man whose sole characteristic seems to be that he's black and large. Oh, man, old books. And there's some other minorities uh, that they call half-breeds. Oh, God. Tell me they're half-orc. They are not. God damn it. <laughs> we talk about some of them later. But, uh, but yeah, that, that is when I say it went a page too far. Yeah. Right. The, the, the descriptions of Challenger were close, right? Because he's just a guy who beats people who disagree with him. Yeah. But no, this, this is very much a product of its time. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of it, but it exists. And they don't use, like, they don't huck fit in. Mm-hmm. They don't use, like, the N-word or anything. They Okay. Yeah. Is it, is it like, oh, God, I'm thinking of, uh, like, Lovecraft stories. I think he did use the N-word, though. I mean, he did with his cat. It, the cat wasn't even black. Yep. That was the best part. So, okay, moving on. Yep. Um, this part felt very, very like Peter Jackson's King Kong. Yes. When they're on the boat and they're going for this, this whole next part felt very much like that, except there's no there's no women on the boat. Gotcha. Right. It's just it's just the, the adventuring party with disappointing. A little bit, but you know, you don't bring women along for things like this. So the professor gave them an envelope of the instructions and he says, open it when you get to X place, right. and it will tell you where to go. So they get there, they open the envelope uh, that the professor gave them with the instructions, and it's blank. Wonderful. Uh-huh. Then the professor appears out of nowhere and says, hey, I just wanted to make sure you guys were trustworthy, uh, and I didn't want to be revealed until I was needed. Oh, my God. But there's nothing that happens <laughs> that he couldn't have been there for because nothing happens. Right. They set off, <laughs> then they arrive, and then he's there. And he just played mind games for there, no fucking there reason. There is no reason he couldn't have just gone with them right maybe you could say he didn't want to be seen leaving right but he never says that oh, it never comes up again <laughs> he just plays mind games with them for no reason yeah, it's he, incredible he was, he was bored yes it was a long boat ride yes i don't even know i don't even know if he came on the same boat or if he like found another boat if he i, I don't know i would assume it, he came on the same it boat. doesn't say yeah, I, I don't know probably but like how do you miss that they're traveling across the atlantic ocean like how do you how do you not run into someone he just is in a barrel the whole time? Maybe. Maybe he could have been barrel. Could have been in a barrel. That'd be very uncomfortable. Yeah. I would hate yeah. that. No, there's there's no reason he couldn't be there. So <clears throat> the author uses some language here that is very vague in terms of where they go. Right. Which I like because then he can't be disproved wrong. Yeah. It, it, it's 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 kind of, it's in the Amazon. We don't know where. Mm-hmm. I have a note here that it was written in 1912. The world wasn't all filled in yet. It's still not filled in now, but we know a lot more uh, than we did 100 years ago. Um, but they travel through the, the Amazon and they meet, they meet insects is what I wrote, but yeah, they're, they're played by insects. Um, <laughs> they meet natives. Okay. Oh, uh, are you referring to natives as insects? No, no, Jesus no. There, Christ. There are, I have, they meet insects and natives is what I wrote. The natives drum, like they, they, they drum as the, as the travelers are walking they by. Play. Okay. Yep. They play drums. Uh, the party gets real nervous. Okay. Nothing happens. Okay. Nothing comes from it. Um, the natives are probably just wanting to freak them out. Probably. It, again, this felt very much King Kong in that they're going to the place. So they keep walking, and eventually there's yeah. a place where the natives don't follow. Oh, okay. It's like, say, you, you, either it's sacred or they're scared. They played like the whole discography of Tears for Fears, and they ran out of material. <laughs> and they're like, all right, guys, well, you have fun doing your thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so they push through some leaves into the most beautiful place they've ever seen. Nice. Um, and this is, it was almost cinematic in the way that it was written. It was very yeah. well written. Very colorful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They see the sights and continue on until uh, someone sees a pterodactyl. Okay. 
they ignore that man. They say, you didn't see that. Wait. Because uh, only one guy saw it. How did only one guy see it? Only one guy saw it. <laughs> Where was it? It was. I, I think it was flying. Well, I mean, like, okay, I'm picturing them out in the open. Are they still in, like, They're, jungle? It's still jungle. It's still the Amazon. Okay, I guess that's understandable. It, like, yeah. flies. But it was, like, it was like a, like, a, like in The Lion King when they reveal the oasis where they spend the Hakuna, Hakuna Matata okay, montage. Yeah, mm -hmm. And then they move down into it. It's kind of like that. Right, okay. I bet yeah. that one guy that they're like, ah, you didn't see anything. He probably like cuddled up to Challenger and he was like, yeah, okay, you, I get it, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, and, and, and uh, I don't recall if that was because they brought some just labor, just some helping yeah. hands with them. Um, I don't recall if it was one of them or if it was an actual. I think it was one of them. I don't think it was. Anybody. Oh, so I don't think it was a named person. Okay, I was going to say, okay, so yeah, the, yeah, so they, yeah, all probably ignored him. Yeah, yeah. Like, Poor no, guy. Yeah, exactly. They they press on, then the chapter breaks. This is chapter nine. Okay. And I only bring that up because again, it's written like letters. Right. This one opens in a panic. Oh, nice. So, so Just, something's gone wrong since exactly we last since read. since they they ignored a man and moved on, and it was wonderful. Now something's starting to go wrong. Okay, I dig it. Uh, it starts with who, like who would believe this? And all I could think of was retro, retro scratch freeze frame. Now you're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> God. Like it, it felt so much like that. Yeah, it reminds me of um, The Martian. Mm -hmm. If you've read the book, mm -hmm. it, it's it's journal entries. And so he'll be like, everything is awesome. And then the start of the next one is, I am going to die. Yes. Like it's that yes. fashion. Very similar, very similar. Uh, it continues on, and Challenger tried to climb a, a cliff, which I assume is this sheer rock. Okay. Uh, the giant rock that they found. Um, they, they I assume they found it, and he tried to climb it. Couldn't climb it. He says, if I can't climb it, no one can climb it. I mean, I believe him. He's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I believe him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they circle around and they try to climb to this plateau that is like impassable. They believe that this ring is what's holding the dinosaurs in, that they exist inside. Okay. So this, this rock is like, like a, a circular rock formation. So they can't and get there's off an, of that an untouched time. ecosystem in there. Okay. And that ring keeps them from coming out. That would have to be a huge ring. I'm, I'm saying this is the large rock. Okay. <laughs> this is the large rock. This is the large rock. Okay, okay. Yes. They travel on, and they see bamboo shoots in the ground. Okay. That are impaling a corpse. This is, this is very King Kong. I'm this saying, is very I'm King saying, Kong. It's, it's like almost cut and paste. It's yeah. uncanny. And this came out, obviously, first. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a lot here that is lost, that is King Kong. Yeah. That is, like, the journey... Mm -hmm. To the center to of the, the center earth, of the earth movies yep. and those kinds of things, even though Jules Verne wrote Journey to the Center of the Earth, this is very much an inspiration for all of those movies right. and all of those later books. They draw like Land of the Lost, the there's an old old TV I show I that was in the seventies. Yeah. This is this is that. A lot of this too. So Jules Verne in Journey to the Center of the Earth used hollow earth theory. Mm -hmm. This doesn't, but it almost leads that way, but it's not it's not fleshed out. So, so, yeah, they see the bamboo shoots on the ground that are impaling a corpse. They surmise that the corpse had died and then the bamboo had grown through. Um, okay. Like it was... It was just sitting on the ground. Just sitting on the ground okay. and the bamboo grew up through it. Uh, they question, though, if the corpse was pushed off the cliff or if he fell. Mm -hmm. They don't know. Makes sense. Yep. There are some arrows now marked on the ground. Okay. Uh -huh. And uh, marked on the rocks and on the path. And they follow those arrows into a cave. The cave, after they go a little bit in, is impassable. Okay, they can't get through. It's just it's dead ends. It, it dead ends, and I believe it was collapsed. Okay. So there there was a clear marking and a clear path that has now 
broken. And gotcha. my guess, though they don't go into this, I think that particular explorer was marking the way, and then he tried to climb and died. Okay. I think he was. I think he was. He had the route through the caves. Cave collapsed. So then he tries to climb a cliff. Fell, fell onto the bamboo. Makes sense. Yeah. Either fell onto the bamboo or fell and died, and then the bamboo grew up. Yeah. Don't makes, know. Makes but, sense. Yeah. So uh, they walk out, and as they're walking out, a giant boulder falls in between the party. So like some of them are still in the cave, some of them are right. walking out, and it just falls down and continues crashing down. They look up. They don't see anything. There's no signs of life anywhere. It doesn't look like something pushed it, but something did fall. Okay. So Ed muses at this point that his journey wasn't, in fact, in vain. Because there is clearly stuff here. Okay. He's feeling that adventure. Exactly. He's starting to get the call of the wild, if you will. Right. Also, what is, like, what if he just didn't go anywhere and just spent, like, a few months away from his girlfriend and then went back and was like, oh, yeah, I almost got crushed by a boulder. I saw a dinosaur. Like, if he goes back and tells her any of this, she's going to be, like... What? <laughs> he's he's effectively if he doesn't do it, he's no better than Challenger, who he's trying to disprove. Right. Because he, his his job by his editor was to prove Challenger is a fake. Yeah. He bought in immediately, but that was his goal. His editor doesn't want to publish the real story. His editor wants to publish Challenger as a fake. Right. It may or may not come up again. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> it never comes up. Again. Um no. I don't think we ever talked to his editor again. Um, <laughs> so that night. They make camp, and a pterodactyl flies overhead. Okay, everyone sees it. So every everybody's woke now. Everybody is everybody is there. The professor's rival, the gentle professor, whose name begins with an S, might be Somalier, but it's not Somalier, something like that. Okay. Um, he apologizes. He's like, "Yo, you were right. I'm sorry." And they they pass the night. The next day, they're still trying to find a way up or in or whatever. Right. And they continue walking around, and they find a spire that they can climb next to the wall. That has like a little plateau on it that they can kind of get up to. And on that plateau is a giant beech tree. Okay. So they make their way up. They cut down the beech tree and it falls onto kind of a landing on the on the other side. And they, they can like use that as a bridge. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So they, let's see, they cross the plateau. And then as they cross, the tree falls. After after they, four of, there's four people, mm-hmm. Ed, Challenger, and um, two others, Roxton, and, and I think it's the other professor. Uh, they cross, and then the tree falls behind them. Okay. And they look, and it's one of the half-breeds, as he puts it, named Gomez. Okay. <laughs> to give you a race. Okay. Gomez says he knocked over the tree because his brother had been killed by Lord Roxton. The, oh, so he wants, the like, slaver revenge. Guy. So he wants revenge. Then Ed muses and says, oh, yeah, he was giving all of us dirty looks all the time. He never liked us. He was always mean. Wait, is he talking about Roxton or the, the other dude? Gomez. Oh, my God. Like, oh, it turns out the whole time he was with us, Gomez was a terrible person. That is, Eddie. Yes. Eddie. A lot of this is told, again, it's writings, a lot of it is told yeah, in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Roxton had a gun. <laughs> so he just shoots him? Gomez he didn't just, last long. Oh, my God. Poor Go- <laughs> Rip Gomez. Rip Rip Gomez. I'm going to miss Gomez. Yeah, yeah. All of his, all of his tree kicking, it'll be missed. So at the end of the day... They're stuck on that side of the plateau. There is another person who was with them who came up, who is the large black man. Okay. Who gets a name. That's great. That's we'll good. Get, that's, we'll get him a name. That's awesome. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, Gomez died. So it's just it's just them. Uh, his name is Zambo. <laughs> Zambo. 
I don't know if we should be laughing at that or not. I have no concept on if that is a historically accurate name or not. I, it I is don't an know. interesting name. It's I don't know. It's too close to Jimbo. I'm I'm just not comfortable with it. Yeah, I mean Zamboni would be awesome. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, his name's Zambo. So okay. Um, so Zambo says like, "Yo, Gomez acted on his own. Like I I'm still with you guys. <laughs> I have a rope and I have a pack of supplies." Right. So I'm going to like swing this over to you and we'll figure out what to do. So Gomez, or I'm sorry, uh, Zambo supplies the party so they're not stuck up there with nothing. So did he assume because he is not white like Gomez that they would just leave him behind? Right now, the four people are stuck on a plateau. Yeah. Zambo's on the other side with the beech tree. Zambo's the only one with the supplies because he was carrying them when they crossed and he was right. going to follow. But Gomez moved the tree. So he, he, as the one with access to food and everything, still wants to help them and gives them supplies so that they can last the night. It sounds like he's clarifying that he's not with Gomez, but why would they think he was with Oh, Gomez? yeah, yeah, no, he, he, he doesn't, he doesn't clarify why, but he, he just says, like, no, I'm not with him. I'm like, Gomez, Gomez is acting on his own. I would assume, probably he, because Roxton had a gun and just shot the guy. Yeah, and he's probably just expecting that. Like there's no reason to believe him. Bias, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, they're gonna think I'm in part of it or something. Yeah, exactly. That's so sad. <laughs> Zambo gets supplies over to them. He says the Indians guiding the party. They call them Indians, not Native Americans, but you know, expected. Yep, call them Indians. Uh, they're gonna want to leave because they're not gonna get paid because the party's on the other side of the plateau. Right. Understandable. So, yeah. He says that he can keep them for one more night. He's like, I. I can talk them into staying for another night. Right. But beyond that, we're going to have to figure something out. So then the next chapter, this is chapter 10, again, starts with the most wonderful thing happened. The exact opposite of the previous chapter. The tree grew back. We chopped it down again. Uh, Ed awakens with a giant blood tick on him. Oh, God. Yep. That's not wonderful. Apparently it's wonderful. Oh, my God. Uh, He pokes it and it bursts. When he says giant, how giant the size of a baseball or something? I, I think, like, nickel size. I, that's just that's just Ugh. my... They, they don't go into descriptions. Yeah. That's just my guess. Because it, it's big enough and it is it is thick enough that he can just poke it and it pops. Mm-hmm. Challenger berates him for popping it. Yeah, you He's like, that was the it. biggest blood tick. Like, you, you can't pop those. And Ed <laughs> looks at him and he says, well, you can still study it because uh, you got one right there. Oh, uh, okay. And they, are they going to have to search each other for ticks? Is this where it gets hot and steamy? That's the end of it. Oh. He's like, so then the professor calms down. And like, that's that's all it is. All right. Oh, There's a lot of things cool. in this that are just like one-offs. Yeah. And then never brought up again. Okay. Yeah, that's one of them. That happened. So they they start investing in the plateau they're on. They find tracks. Okay. They find strange plants that don't exist anywhere else. Mm-hmm. The tracks, I believe, are uh, three-toed. I think they're, they're large three-toed tracks. So that's like, oh, what's that called? Like tridactyl or whatever? So, sounds right, yeah. So, yeah, it was three toes, something like that. Yeah. Uh, they find and correctly identify iguanodons. Nice. Yeah. So they uh, they have found multiple species of dinosaur right. that exist. Awesome. At that point, I'm like, you know, mission accomplished. Let's just go home. Like, all right, we can Let's go. Now. Yeah. So they're, they're still looking for a way down, right, because they're still trapped up up top. Right. So they're still looking for a way down. So that's, that's the motivation for the rest of this, aside from exploring the strange new world. Right. Uh, at this point, just like... In King Kong, I found myself wondering, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to go wrong? Yeah. When are those giant, like, insects going to crawl uh, out of the walls? And... no. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. That is the creepiest scene. Yeah. 
they stumble into a swamp. Okay. A pterodactyl swamp. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. Go on. I, I, I just hear all-star in my head. That's all I hear. <laughs> that's, all I can, that's all I hear right now. I see some inflatable frog balloons. Yeah. <laughs> they stumble into a, a pterodactyl swamp. So they see effectively, like, uh, you ever seen a tree that's just filled with, like, ravens? Yes. Or like filled, filled birds. Yep. They see that, but it's it's pterodactyls. That's not cool. Horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Challenger, they're they're like moving cautiously forward. Mm-hmm. Challenger just stands up, and he's just like examining it. One of the one of the uh, pterodactyls sees him, lets out a caw. They all start freaking out. Okay. And they being the pterodactyls, and I think I think I missed it, but I think at this point Roxton fires his gun. What the dude? What? Is he American? No. <laughs> He's a no? lord. Okay. He's a British lord. So, so he's probably like arrogant enough to. He like, ended slavery. To just do. Okay. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> he fires his gun into the air. He fires his gun into the air. The pterodactyls scatter. Okay. They start attacking the party. Like <laughs> Chronicles of of Riddick. What is it? Uh, Pitch black style. Yeah. Okay. Um. No one dies. That's good. They all get relatively injured because the pterodactyls use their beaks to puncture. Right. Their teeth. To bite. Okay. So they have like, like the backward facing teeth so that like, catch fish. Ones, yeah. 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 Uh, and their claws, like their, their feet to, to scratch. Okay. They make it back to their camp. They're bleeding. No one's seriously injured. That night, they are terrified. They see danger behind every shadow. So inexplicably scared. Yes. Based on the fact that they were just attacked and I think it was a oh, fatigue. Oh, okay. I get it. So they're, <laughs> yeah. they're just like, they're, they're freaking out. Right. Nothing okay. happens. No, nothing happens. Nothing happens. This is like when you have a you're playing D and D and you have a party like traveling and it's like <laughs> you roll for yeah encounters random encounters. Night, this is very much nothing that. happens. This yeah. is very much that. Okay. Um, they Professor Roxton uh, determines that the ground nearby. He like points it out to Ed. He's like, "Is that what do you think that is?" And Ed's like, "Oh, that's that's like a blue color clay. That's the ground. Like this looks <laughs> like this looks like clay, and uh, it looks like my brother clay, and." Uh, <laughs> Roxon's like, no, you're right. That is blue clay. Like, that is exactly what it is. I think he's just trying to like educate him, like give him, give him a little. Like, By asking him, like, what do you what, think it is? He's like, oh, I think that's clay. He's like, oh, you're right. That is exactly what that is. So he he has the bare minimum amount of intelligence. <laughs> Am I wrong? Is I thought he's, clay was like obvious. Uh, I don't know. Clay, I, clay I mean, is clay. You can identify clay. Yeah, I mean, we know we know clay now. Do they know clay? Like, I imagine they could identify it in the 1900s, early 1900s, but is there would like clay in England? Would the the general layman know? It's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. Anyways, but he's... He, he points it out to him. He's like, "That's blue clay," and right. there's, there's also the ground appears to be volcanic. Either this appears to be volcanic. I wouldn't know that. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't know that. He goes on. There's a little more to it. Um, says, "Yeah, this there appears to be like volcanic activity um, at some point." Mm-hmm. So, uh, I feel like mm-hmm. you say that about any part of the world. Probably there was volcanic activity here, you know, sometime. At some I don't point, know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they go to bed. Ed wakes up with a sixth sense. He's like, he like, he just like middle of the night just wakes up something's wrong. Okay, uh, he sees dead dinosaurs. <laughs> everyone else, shortly after, as in the next sentence, is awakened by huge screams. Oh shit! Okay, and howls, and there's clearly a fight going on. Something is fighting something. Oh shit! We got a dino fight. Yeah. There is a long scream, and then eventually the noises die down. Okay. Then they see a shadow, and there is something kind of stalking the camp. Okay. 
Roxton, the clay guy who who ended slavery, he shoots his picks gun, a, picks up a torch, okay, and thrusts it at the at at the the thing. That's uh, that's. Uh, I want to, for the record, I think it's a bad idea. Okay, but okay. It reveals a face that they describe as toad-like. Oh, I thought you were saying human face. You scared me for a second. No, no, okay, not so. human. No, large. Right. Carnivorous. Okay. Toad-like face. Are toads carnivorous? I guess they are. This face looks carnivorous okay. and also toad-like. Large okay. teeth, like that kind of thing. It backs off. Okay. Because it just had fire thrust at it. Um, best I could tell, based on the description, was it was like either T-Rex or an Allosaurus, something like that. Would a T-Rex back off? Uh, I don't know. I wasn't there. We actually literally don't know about anything yeah. about dinosaur behavior. No, we have no, and neither did he. <laughs> yeah, neither so. did Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, I think it was something, I think it was like a, like a, maybe like an Allosaurus, like a smaller. It was something that walked on its hind legs and was yeah. carnivorous. Yeah. They find out in the morning that the cries came from one of the iguanodons. Okay. That had been torn to bits, like shred. Of Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. They then identify that they think it was an Allosaurus. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say it. I was right. Allosaurus. <laughs> just throw that out there. Uh, <clears throat> they continue on their journey. They see many more amazing creatures, including a large, purple black snake that never okay. comes up again. Okay. A quote deer the size of an Irish elk. End quote. Of, of course. So an elk. I, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I think. Never... I think Irish elks are mythical elks that are supposed to be larger than. Really. I think. I, I, I'm double-checking this right now as we I speak. D- I didn't know that. Giant deer or Irish deer is an extinct species of deer, uh, the largest deer that ever lived. About one and a half times the size of them, the, the height of a man. So, a big elk. Big elk. Large elk. Yeah. So, a deer that, that size. Which, again, I would just posture as an elk. Right. Um, <clears throat> but it's like the size of a moose, almost. Right. Right. Uh, they see, randomly off in the distance, a an ape man, a missing link as they define it. They saw Bigfoot. Not Bigfoot. Shorter. I'm calling him Bigfoot. Okay, fine. Medium-sized foot. So, so yeah, little foot. They uh, also see a lake, okay. which Ed names Lake Gladys. Gladys after the girl back home that I never named. Shouldn't that be like a committee decision? So, Challenger's there, and he's like, he's like, oh, you should name it. And Ed's like, well... What if we named it Lake Challenger? He's like, no, no, no. I'm naming something else after myself. Like, I'm not naming a lake after myself. <laughs> that's pretty good that he has, already has a slot for exactly. His name. He's like, he's like, no, no. That's going for something else. So uh, saving it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't name it. It's not like Alexander the Great that named every city the city of Alexander. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so Ed says, okay, well, you put me on the spot, Lake Gladys. He's gonna regret that. Never comes up again. That, that bitch is going to be with another guy when he gets back, and he's going to be like, fuck, I named a lake after her. <laughs> There's God a damn lake it. in the Amazon named after you. Yeah. Um, you. Bitch, you don't deserve it. So that night, Ed goes for a walk. Okay. He's just like, I've you know, kind of gotten to lay the land. The camp's in the same spot, so they're kind of exploring as they go, and then they return back to home base. Um, I, f- I feel like they, he learned nothing. <laughs> Because they had they had a, a big dinosaur torn mm-hmm. to pieces. Mm-hmm. They've already been attacked. Mm-hmm. There's a missing link thing out there. Mm-hmm. Just what could go don't wrong? go for walks. What maybe. Could go wrong? I mean, I don't know. I can't think of anything actually. So yeah, fine. Okay, he's yeah. going for a walk. That's what I thought. So he goes for a run. He 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 a walk. He he passes by the pterodactyl swamp, but he kind of skirts it. <laughs> okay. Um, he discovers a tar pit nearby, like a boiling tar pit. Okay. Cool. He wonders at the animals that he sees at that at night. He's like, oh, he's like, like, oh, this is so cool. There's a huge deer again. 
Stegosaurus. How, how can he see? It's like night. I, it's night. I imagine light by the moon and the stars because there's no there's no light pollution. That's true. It'd probably be a lot brighter. Yeah. And then he turns back to the camp. He encounters a carnivore that was hunting for him. Oh god. So he's walking. He turns around and there's just like right there. Hey. Like something's like oh. You look tasty. So he books it. Right. He's like I I gotta run. He runs away. It follows him. He runs a little bit further away and like just keeps going. And it's like he turns back and it's just it's still there. It's just following him. Right. Like it, it's clearly keeping pace. It's chasing him. <laughs> he trips and falls. Of course. A long distance mm-hmm. and loses consciousness at the bottom of whatever it is. Okay, that's not good. Yep. He wakes up in a spear pit. Oh shit! Missing all of the spears. Oh oh. Which fuck off. Are, like <laughs> the. The job of a spear pit, correct me if I'm wrong, right? You dig a pit, mm-hmm. you put spears in, yep. things fall into it and yeah. die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he ran into it, fell, missed everything. Like, mm-hmm. Poor construction on a spear pit. Yeah, pretty pretty shoddy work, I yeah. would say. Unless yeah. he like fell perfectly, like straightened <laughs> out on his side like a board. Yeah. And yeah. just went through. Just went in between. Yeah, but between that's why that's why you have cross cross beams. Yeah. And, and and yeah. Um, Shoddy work. No, just terrible, terrible craft. Not impressed. Uh, zero out of ten. Uh, there are chunks of meat on the spears, so clearly other things have it's fallen got a snack. at some point. And they appear. There's like I think they said they were covered in like a black substance, so they appear to be poisoned or something as well. Interesting. Um, I well, don't... I mean, if there's a spear pit, there's got to be some intelligent or sentient right. things. That and we've seen the... a missing link before. Right. Yeah. So he's kind of putting that together. He's like, I wonder if they built this. Yeah. Um, it's now is he's been out long enough. It's now daylight. That's a long time. It's a long time. Okay. He went for a walk at night. It is now daylight. Uh, he hears a gunshot <laughs> off in the distance, and he thinks, he thinks, oh, they woke up, realized I'm not there. They're signaling because they think I'm lost. Right. Genius. He gets back to camp, okay. following the sound of the gunshot, one gunshot. And they didn't notice he was gone. Uh, <laughs> there's no one there. Oh, shit. It's even worse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, uh, there are no tracks. There is blood on the ground, and the camp is empty. He looks around the spire because he got back over there somehow. I don't know how. So there's the spire that they climbed with the beech tree. Right. That they crossed to go to the plateau. The plateau. Yeah. They're on the plateau. Okay. He looks around that spire. I think I think he's on the plateau and he's yeah looking, looking at the, the spire. and he sees Zambo. Okay. So Zambo still, still there, still on the other side. Zambo came back. Um, Zambo built a rope bridge. He tells it how to get back and to send one of the Indians they brought with a letter to that Indian's tribe. To give word that they're like, what's going on? Okay. He also says, beat him and take his pay. That way, he will be sure to come back. Beat. Wait. Beat who? So this Indian. Beat the Indian. Beat the Indian and take his pay because if you take his pay, he's gonna come back for it. Otherwise, oh he won't come back. Oh my god! But Eddie. this is this is Zambo saying that. Oh, that's Zambo. Zambo. <laughs> I like, was a fan. He says, I know how to work these people. You just beat them and you take their money and then they come back to you. Look, look, I know the tricks to the business. You got to beat the shit out of them and then they'll do what you say. Exactly. God damn, that's that's a cold motherfucker. Yes. That's like pimp energy. Yes. God damn, Zambo. So the Indian disappears into the sunset. Okay. It's, it's now been sunset. I don't know. After Time's being beaten? Weird. Allegedly, okay. We don't, we don't, we don't get the details. What if he overheard? He was like, just like <laughs> threw his money. I was like, all right, man, just, just please, I'll do it. Fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lord Roxton appears early, early uh, the next day. He's clearly wounded. He's weary. 
He says the ape men kidnapped them. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. Wait, by eight men, was he talking about actual eight men, or is he just being racist again? This is the the missing link. Okay, the so people it's who actually, are actually ape, ape, men. ape men. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Which that is the only description they have for them. Still racist. Understandably racist. Yes. <laughs> I would probably be equally racist to an unknown sentient species. Yes. Uh, so they, the ape men had a village about three miles away. That's really them. close. They were, the, the, the people at the camp were tied up. They were fed fruit. They found out that there are human natives as well. So there's the Indian tribe that escorted them. Right. There's another tribe that lives on the other side of the, 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 the plateau. plateau from the ape men. Okay. The, that tribe and the ape men are constantly at war. Of course. Yes, yeah. as you do. Yeah, so the, the humans live on one side, the ape men live on the other, and they distinguish that humans and ape men. Okay. The ape men took the Indians that they captured along with this party. So they had they had some Indian prisoners of war as well. Right. They took them to a cliff with bamboo shoots at the bottom uh, and rocks beyond those. Mm-hmm. And they chucked them off just mm-hmm. to see what would happen. Have a nice trip. See you next fall. Yeah, exactly. They were impaled on the on the on the canes. Of course. Yes. yes. Um, they had primitive weapons. So Roxton, genius that he is, just broke out and okay. ran to get the guns. Wait, what guns? So they had guns, right? They, the camp had guns with them. He gave it, it Eddie a gun. It wasn't just the one gun the one guy no, had? He, no, Roxton, Roxton had a gun. He gave Eddie a gun. Oh, yeah, you told me. Okay, yeah, they yeah. have guns. Okay. They haven't used them yet, except Roxton shot at the, the pterodactyls. Okay. And shot Gonzo. And also shot some or the ape men that captured them, I guess, because not yet. There was well, I mean, there was a gunshot that he heard and he thought they. Oh were yes, yes, he shot at them. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I don't think he killed any, but he shot at them. Yes. So they had they had they had guns back at the camp. Roxton thinks if I can get a gun, I can free my friends and and go about my day. So he on his way back ran into Ed, and that's where we catch him. They march back to the village. No, I'm sorry. They march back to the old camp. Right. They find some ape men nearby. Uh, they grab the guns and make their way to the village. So they, they there's eight men nearby. They kind of ignore it, kind of sneak their way into the village. Okay. The king of the eight men is a just stock carbon copy of Professor Challenger. Just looks exactly <laughs> like him. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's his long lost brother or something. Yeah. He's a, he, I believe the word he uses, he says he's a parody of Professor Challenger. So it's just parody. like parody. Like that's like God. The same thing, but eight man version. It's it's a it's a little cutting though, calling him a parody. He's not a human. A, I, well, I guess he's not. an eight man. That's true. Yeah. Summerly is the name of the gentle scientist. Okay. Yes. So the eight men throw some more Indians over the cliff. They pick up Summerly, and Lord Roxton shoots the king. Okay. So that was easy. I'm I'm saying. <laughs> right. Um Ed and Roxton just start gunning him down. Right. The party runs, and they run with some of the human natives who were captured as well. Okay. They rescue them, and they just they just book it, and they start shooting the eight men following them. And they, they camp for the night in, like, a cave. Mm-hmm. They wake up. They walk out. And they stumble into a trap set by the ape men where there's a guy on the ground with his head, like, torqued backwards. Like, his neck was broken. Okay. Ed walks up to him, and an ape man is just hanging in a tree, and he picks him up by the head. He picks Ed up by the head. And attempts to torque and break his neck. Oh my god! It's like the trap is just a broken neck, <laughs> and the guy's just hanging there, and he's like, hey, "I'm gonna break your neck." Oh my god! He's like, uh, "What's his name from Splinter Cell?" Yeah, what? yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so he's like trying and fighting, and I do like it's shown very easy in movies. 
It is. Yeah, no, it's, it's hard. Really hard to break. You have a lot of muscle around yeah. your spine. Yeah. <laughs> so he's struggling to right. break to break Ed's neck, and Ed is like fighting him and everything, doing what he can. But the guy's in a tree, and he's like leaning down to to pick him up by the head. Yeah. Um, Roxanne shoots at him, misses. Okay. The guy just bolts. So Roxanne shoots at him, misses. He runs away. Ed's safe, but his neck's a little stiff. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally understandable. They keep going, and they're they're now being guided to the natives' village. Okay, they live on the plateau. Right, right, on the other side from the ape man. Right, okay. They find the village. They are greeted with awe and respect because one of the natives that they rescued happened to be the chief's son. Well, that's convenient. Very. Yeah. So, <laughs> awesome. Uh, the village wants to wage war on the ape men. Who the party, doesn't? The party Honestly. agrees. Yeah. And it's very much a similar situation where um, one, I think it was Professor Summerlee, I believe, speaks, or maybe it's Roxton because he spent time in the Amazon, speaks a dialect and then they're able to communicate that yeah. way. That seems to be a rolling theme in these in these movies, in these books. Uh, but the party agrees. They want to destroy the ape men because they tried to kill them. They find nearby uh, a flammable gas that's kind of bubbling up from the ground. They determine okay, it's like hydrogen. a natural gas or yep. something. Yeah. Yep. And Roxton points out more of the volcanic clay near this village. Okay. Awesome. They then go to fight the ape men. The Indians use bows and arrows. The ape men don't have anything like that. They're mm-hmm. slaughtered. Then the Indians move into. So best I could tell, this took place in like a field, and the ape men were charging at them. Yeah. Now they've advanced beyond the field into the trees. In the trees, the ape men are dangerous because the bows and arrows are kind of useless. It's okay. all packed foliage. Right. So they start putting up more of a fight. Doesn't matter. They're still slaughtered. Oh, oh okay. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, then. They don't let one ape man return towards return to the village. It's it's just an absolute slaughter. They they the Indians throw the ape men over the same cliff. Oh, on the mm-hmm. nice. I love callbacks. Yep, that they'd used earlier. Uh, the Indians enslaved the ape men. That's not so nice. Not as nice. I thought Roxanne is it, ended slavery. Is it weird that I prefer genocide over slavery? <laughs> I don't know. Is there a better one? I no. There's. I don't think there's a better one. I think genocide has an answer. Right? Like, you did the thing. You can now either begin to atone for it or not. Right. Slavery is an ongoing condition. Yeah. They're eight men. Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then two of the Allosaurus attack the Indians. God, everyone is like... It's all happening. It's yeah, all happening. it's all going through the ringer. This, this is about four-fifths of the way through the book. Really? Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. So there's there's not a whole lot left. Maybe even, maybe even like, five, six, something like that. This was also a slaughter. The Indians are just getting mowed down because the right. arrows aren't doing anything. Like, they're just getting... Do the guns do anything? They don't shoot them. <laughs> okay. And I, they don't. They don't say that they don't shoot them. It just doesn't happen. They're it's just not like not it's mentioned. not like they're avoiding it. It's just ignored. Right. I'm going to assume guns were not that effective. Right. So the Indians escape up a cliff that the Allosaurus can't climb. Okay. They have poison darts that they get, and eventually they're able to shoot down the Allosaurus with enough just concentrated fire. Right. Okay. So they kill both of them. Then they had just a giant barbecue. Just nice. a massive barbecue. What would dinosaur taste like? Honestly, I think it would just taste like fowl. Very like chicken. I, either either turkey. that or like a cross between like a fowl and crocodile. I've never had crocodile, but I'd love. I mean, I haven't crocodile. either, but yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think it depends. Of course, I don't know. Crocs spend a lot of time in the water. I don't know if that would affect the way their meat tastes. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's like muddy. Yeah, I don't. I know catfish is muddy. I hate catfish. Um, so they start working on now. Now the dialosaurs are dead. Right. The eight men are dead and enslaved. Okay. Allegedly, there's no fear, right? All of the hazards you've come across, except for the pterodactyls, Still which pterodactyls. Tree, you got to watch them, are gone. 
So they start looking to make their way back home. They're they're just right. like, okay, now we got Now we got to start looking. We got to. This was cool. We're we're thankful that you helped us and we helped you. We got to go. Mm-hmm. The Indians say no. You're not leaving. We're keeping you here. And you can't leave. Okay. They believe the party to be their good luck charm because all of this happened oh, after the party came back. Yeah. So the party comes by. All of their problems are ended. Mm-hmm. We can't let them leave. We're gonna have problems again. At this point. A lot of different things happen very quickly that are just unrelated. Right. Roxton leaves the party with a cage and says, I'm going to go capture a pterodactyl. You dumb motherfucker. Challenger harnesses the power of the gas they found, which they determine is hydrogen. Uh, and he has plans and starts building a balloon. Uh, with what? <laughs> Skins, wood, bamboo. But, but a balloon... Oh my god. Okay. Yep. <laughs> just we'll just forget about that and move yep. on. They intend to use the balloon to float, make their way back down to the boat that brought them, uh, but they're afraid the Indians are going to stop them. The Indian chief's son spends a lot of time with Ed because Ed was the one who kind of like pulled him up and and was like, you know, we got to right. go. And then they ran. Um, he gives Ed a map of the cave system that the Indians have that they they that their village is in. Right. They determine that there's a route down in this cave system, and the chief's son is like, yo. I understand you want to leave. Like, mm. here, this will get you out. The balloon, as of the end of the second to last chapter, has nothing to do with anything. They just drop it and they don't... Never get... comes up again. That's wonderful. He's like, I'm going to build a balloon. <laughs> and then it's just never brought up. Well, he probably realized it's fucking impossible. He's probably. like, this was a dumb idea. Yeah. I, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I've never made a balloon before. Exactly. <laughs> so he's like, I'm going to build a balloon. And then just doesn't. Yeah, that's great. So the last chapter, we're almost we're at the home stretch here. Uh, they come back to England. They're, they're... Well, uh, hold up. So they went through the tunnels that uh-huh. they had the map for. They they did. I didn't include this because it was kind of boring. They went through part of the tunnels. They had the yeah. map. It led to a dead end. They realized they were reading it wrong, and they just climbed down. And then they got to the boat that was waiting for them. That is definitely the lamest twist ever. Yes. Oh, we were reading the map wrong. Yes. But it was Ed who discovered that they were reading it wrong. Uh, oh, so maybe it's... Hey, he's smarter than all us scientists. He's not so bad. Our our boy's getting a little uh, a little confidence boost. Yeah, he's he, he's gonna get back, and then the chick is gonna reject him, and he's gonna be like, you know what? It doesn't matter because I found confidence in myself, and I know I'm a man. Potentially, but or he's gonna be like pathetic, and okay, <laughs> we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so they have another lecture with the scientific community. They talk about all their discoveries. Uh, Professor Summerlee, who was one of the critics, is now on board. Mm-hmm. Nobody believes him. Okay. <laughs> Expected. So, part of the literary device that is used, on the trip back, he says, he writes in the book, I'm not going to tell you about the trip back, reader, because it'll come up later. Okay. All so right. then, he goes into this. He says, uh, people don't believe them. So, Challenger says, would you accept it if you had proof? Yeah. And they said, yes, we would. So, Challenger brings in with Roxton the baby pterodactyl uh, pterodactyl that mm-hmm. he that he'd captured that the trip that he didn't want to talk about was the smell of feeding it all that fish this is what? all in just a couple pages what? he's like i'm not telling you about the trip anyway we went back and we had this pterodactyl and that's why i couldn't tell you about the trip because the smell of the fish it was awful did. it was making noise it smelled bad okay it pooped okay um <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> Whatever. Look, it was it was the 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 end of this book is the most incongruous. Like yeah, like just which I found a lot of a lot of Conan Doyle's writings to be. Yeah, I love Sherlock Holmes and a lot of those like it's 
step by step for the first three quarters of the book, and then the, the last quarter just goes off the rails. Yeah, There's I mean that, that's a that's a lot of Stephen King books. Is mm-hmm. the endings mm-hmm. are terrible. Yep, like they're great up until like the last quarter, and then yep. it's dog shit. Like it's day by day until he realizes he has to get a point somewhere, and he can't. Yeah, make this a ten million page book. Um, so they bring the pterodactyl. Uh, it breaks out of its cage and flies out a window. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And they're like, close that window, but it was already too late. I believe is how it phrased. Did, well, did they show people before it flew out? They, so they're in the lecture hall. Right. With the scientists. So they saw it fly so away. So they see it fly out. Okay. So at that point, they're like, oh, our bad. Wait, how did it get wait, how did it get out of the cage? It broke out. How? It broke out. But it was in that cage for the whole boat ride. Look, I would say it's pretty secure. Look, it broke out. <laughs> I, I think I, th- I think what you're failing to grasp here is it was in a cage. Yes. It broke out of the cage. It, it broke out of <laughs> a, an apparently really shitty cage. That held it for the entire journey, yes. Yeah, and then, uh, okay. Yes. So Ed is now back from his trip. They had the, okay. the, the lecture yep. hall. He was there. Now he's back. He goes to Gladys mm-hmm. and says, Gladys, last name, I'm back from my adventure. Okay. And she says, that's not my name. Here's my husband. It... Uh... <laughs> So she just gave him a fake name. So no, no, she had married. Oh, she while he changed was gone. her. Okay, because she, she took got on married. Her, her husband's name. She got married. I knew it. Yep, you called it. Uh, you yeah. called it in the beginning. Because uh, any any woman that's like only in the beginning turns and a the switch end, like that. Yeah. it's so it's such a red flag. Yeah. So she sent him allegedly. She sent him a letter while that he didn't get. That he didn't get. Ooh. There's no record of if that actually happened or not. She says she did. He didn't get it. I think she's a lying bitch. I think she is too. Yeah. So Ed is um, distraught, mm-hmm. right? Because he's like, I did of this to, to do this, and and what what did you do to win her heart? Right. <laughs> he's like, Are you are you some great adventurer? Like, what happened? He's like, No, I'm just an accountant. Mm-hmm. That's it. He's just an accountant. That's he didn't that's, do anything. It's relationship. He wasn't adventurous. He was effectively what Ed was before Ed left. Mm-hmm. So if homeboy had stayed, he might have had a chance. I don't think he would have had a chance. No, he but... didn't because she made her intentions very clear <laughs> right. as in leave and then immediately married somebody else. Yeah, she, she just wasn't into him. That's yeah, just exactly. That, that's the whole thing. But Ed meets Lord Roxton. And falls in love with Lord Roxton. <laughs> it, it remains to be <laughs> and seen. And they shot guns together. Roxton says, yo, that volcanic clay that we found, I've seen it once before near a diamond mine. So here's 230 million pounds worth of diamonds. Oh my god! <laughs> so he, he ends up rich. So at the he end. ends up uber rich, and he says, "Hey, this is awesome, but like, you should keep it, and we'll just travel the world together." That's a what a bro. That I would I'd be down for that. And they go off for their life of adventure. That's you know what? That's a good ending. It was a very good ending. It's a messy ending, but it's a good ending. Yeah. So that's that's the end of the book, right? He, yeah. he goes off for this adventure, and there isn't a sequel, as far as I know. Um, it's just assumed. I, I think there might have been a bromance there. A little bit. I think there may have been a little bromance. Um, I think uh, I think Arthur Conan Doyle had uh, some suppression issues that he was trying to get yeah. out between Holmes and Watson and between <laughs> yeah. Ed Malone and Lord Roxton. Um, Lord Roxton. Roxton, mm, R-O-X-T-O-N. Dude yeah. could be like a Kingdom Hearts villain. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was Roxas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the only people that died in the story were... Non-white people. Right. Okay. Right. Everyone else was cool. 
Everyone else had a great cool. adventure. They got rich. Yep. Famous. Yep. Zambo lived. Zam- Zambo lived, but he didn't get shit. <laughs> but yeah, he didn't. He didn't get anything. He uh, his last words were about beating an Indian. Yep. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you got to do it because you want to do it for yourself. Yep. That's and, the, and that's the thing to take reason. away. Yeah. I I enjoyed this book. Mm-hmm. It was. It could have been a lot more. Yeah. It sounded similar to Time Blender where it's like things just happen. Yes. Yes. And it's very it's much like going dropped. down the checklist. Yeah. That's uh-huh. uh huh. And then they never happen again. Like, oh, this would be a good idea. Let's not flesh it out. Mm-hmm. But I think I think that's the problem with Arthur Doyle too, Arthur Conan Doyle, is that he writes short form. He doesn't yes. write long books. Right. And I think he realized that the shorter the story, if I can make it short and sweet, then I'm going to do that. But then eventually there comes a point where you need to elaborate on things and you just can't. Right, yeah. And and I think it suffers from that. So we have here, as you may have heard last episode, if you listen to it, we have a rating system uh, for our books. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on a, a five-point scale with one being toilet paper, which yep. is only usable for the uh, the physical properties of paper there is no value in the actual printed word (laughs) only in the actual material (laughs) exactly uh there is shampoo bottle which is uh it's there it's something to read you're never gonna buy it but it's just like it's just something that happens to be there you pick it up if you're staring at a blank wall Mm -hmm. you can read this (laughs) Mm -hmm. something just a little just just something to occupy your mind uh there is ikea manual which is uh, interesting, well-made, but you kind of have it because it's there. You don't actually go out and buy it. Uh, and then Kindle Pick, which is something that you, you want to buy. It's worth owning, but maybe not physically. It's something you just keep in a bulk library and read it every now and then or read it once and forget it. Uh, and then there's hardcover. Like, you should absolutely own a copy of this book. It is a fantastic book. I would put this at a, hmm. Sounds like a Kindle Pick. I, I would put it at a Kindle Pick, but... I know I'm never going to read it again. Hmm. That is a hard one. Yeah. So it's it's not like, it's not quite Ikea manual because I, I am glad that I read it. Right. But I have no interest in ever reading it again. Um, so I think, I think it's, it's a Kindle pick. It's, okay. it's, it's a Kindle yeah. pick. Yeah. But it, um, it was, it was one that I'm glad I read. I'm, I'm not going to read it again. There's plenty of other things that do the same thing, but better. Mm-hmm. Like The Lost World, the Michael Crichton one, which is <laughs> very similar in ways, uh, but does it relatively better. Um, there's a, I think there's a guy, might be a guy named Zambo in Michael Crichton's The Lost World. There's a character that shares the same name. Or maybe it's Roxton. Maybe it's, maybe it's. Roxton a, sounds a scientist more familiar, Roxton. I feel like. Um, I think one of the scientists' name is Roxton in Michael Crichton's Lost World. Um, but yep, that is, uh, that is my summary of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's The Lost World. Uh, do you have anything else to add? No. That was it was entertaining for what it was. Yeah. It sounds like just a good old fashioned adventure story. That's exactly what it was. With influences from the time mm-hmm. to flavor the text, sort mm-hmm. of. So exactly. very much a product of its of its time. It is. And you can see how it's been extrapolated into other mediums oh, yeah. since then. That... I'm sure I'm sure it like it influenced a lot of yeah. entertainment that came afterwards. Yeah. That's it. That'll do it for this episode of A Page Too Far. Uh, we have an email address. Uh, we realize that every book is somebody's favorite book. Um, if we did your book justice or if we did your book injustice, please let us know. Write to us. Uh, it is a page too far at gmail.com. T spelled T O O, so a page too far at gmail.com. 
Um, we will, again, be putting up socials, Instagram, Twitter. Eventually, we're looking to do a Patreon uh, or something similar. Yes. Um, we'll let you know when those are live. See you next time, guys. See you next time. We're not going to see anybody.